Good morning, everybody, once again. Uh, it has been great to be on this journey with you. If I missed you earlier, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at Downtown Community, and we are engaging in a different service today because we want to prepare our hearts for uh, the week leading up to Easter. Um, very similar to what a Good Friday service would be, we want to reflect today upon Jesus' death and his resurrection. And so you've picked a great Sunday to be with us, and I want to encourage you to be here next Sunday. Uh, we have two services, one at 10 a.m. and one at 11.30 a.m., so just one Sunday only. It's different times, and we want to encourage you to invite your friends and your neighbors are more willing to come to a church service on Easter maybe than any other time of the year. And so it's a great opportunity for you to engage. But uh, as many of you who can, just a little side note, um, I don't want to ruin the moment too much, but come at 10 a.m. <laughs> if you have kids, we're have kids' classes both, both times. And uh, just to make way for those who want to be here uh, during our 1130 service next week. We always want to create more room for people to come and to be with us. So today for a short time, I want to I walk us through and just talk about the crucifixion and why it's so important that we reflect on it, that we think about it and, and understand how crucial it is for our lives. But not only that, for how we live. As Christ followers, the crucifixion, everything that it represents, it defines us. The resurrection as well defines us. It, we, we, we sung of it today. It's just too hard to sing only of the death, but also of the freedom and the joy that the resurrection brought. But Jesus coming to us and the way in which he came, how he did it, everything, the sacrifice that he gave is an example to us it is showing us what real love is. It is showing us what really brings us life. It also shows us an incredible God who, who loves us deeply and didn't leave us in our brokenness, but instead stepped into the worst of us. While we accused him, everything that he was enduring from them, really we all have done to him so that we may be set free. And so we, I want, it's important that we reflect on that today because it really defines who we are. And I love this opportunity because it's a reminder of how we really should live, how we will actually be happy, how we will actually find joy, how we will actually uh, live life with purpose. And, and the reason we need to reflect upon it is because our natural tendency is to pull away from living like this. It just doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem like it's, it's what should happen. Our response is just to please ourselves. This is what we do, as, as, whether you're Christ follower or not. Like we just, that's what we want. But Jesus showed us a better way to live. And our world desperately needs this. Our community, our, our country, we need people to live like Jesus lived. And so what I want to do is, is, is walk us through this for a short time, and then I want to have us all, um, if you want to, take communion together. It's something you don't have to do. We'll pass out the cups at the end of my message. And not right now, but just in, in, in a little bit. But um, So we can do that together. But I just want us to reflect upon the cross together. And, and Andrew, at the end, if you, if you can make sure Aaron, that Andrew can, can play behind me for communion. But um, okay. 
I want to read you this fascinating verse out of Philippians 2. Philippians 2.21. Paul is talking about Christ and his resurrection. Then he says this. He says, For everyone looks out for their own, their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. And it's really interesting uh, he, he, he's coming to this dialogue, and he's just talking about what we do. We, everyone looks for our own interest. Like that is what we first go to and we think is going to make everything okay. And so as today as we, we celebrate this event, this death of Jesus, uh, I want to I begin to talk about the significance, the impact of Jesus' crucifixion that has, he has on our daily lives. Yes, it is an event. It's an actual thing in history. And that's what's amazing is Herod and Pilate are well documented. We know this exact time period. This is an event that happened in history. It was crucial, however. He had to die because of the wrongdoing that you and I have done. Someone had to pay for this. We want to live out our own truth in our lives, and we want to define that until we need justice for somebody, or we need like, and then we change it because we realize, oh, we need somebody punished for wrong that is done. So we kind of want to define things, but we need someone to be a moral center. So who gets to decide what's happening in the Ukraine is wrong? Who gets to be the litmus test to say this is the moral standard that we follow? We want to create our own truth until we are like, wait a minute. Well, then who is that thing? What is that, that standard? And that's why Christ comes like, some, God is the only one who can truly be that standard for us. What gives us that thing to say, no, this is moral. This is moral. It's one of the reasons why Jesus should consider becoming a Christ follower and consider who, who Christ is and who God is. So it was crucial. He had to die. But it was also an example, an example of how to live. So as Christ followers, it marks us. It marks us. It defines us, interestingly enough. It becomes a foundation. It becomes a principle upon which we live. And so it's interesting. Let me go back to this verse. I'm going to back up to what led him to say this. He was writing to um, this church in Philippi, and this, this church has been established that Paul, the Apostle Paul, had helped start. This is not very long after Jesus' resurrection, and the church was spreading throughout the Greco-Roman world. And, and so he would write them letters, and just incredible theology that help us understand Christ. But he would say these personal things, and he says here in Philippians 2.19, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may, may be cheered when I receive news uh, about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own, own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself like a son with his father. He has served with me in preaching the good news. And so this is an example of someone who, who was a Christ follower and who was looking out for the interest of others. He was living out what Christ had shown them. And Paul's like, it's so hard to find this sometimes. Someone who will live this out. So what does it mean to live this out? What does it look like? Well, we want to live out Jesus' crucifixion. Why is that? Because he gave his life and sacrificed for us and has showed us what will ultimately bring out good. For anything good to happen, 
We have to give up of ourselves. This is what we define. This is what real love is. And this is a, a crazy counterculture statement to say real love is an others-focused way of life. Giving up something that you want for someone else. And what's amazing is God is the example of this. He lives this out continually. We, we as Christ followers, believe in the Trinity. We have the God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three in such unity together, they are one. And they live, when we look at the Scriptures and, they, and what God has revealed to us, that they live in a loving communion with one another, giving up of themselves and serving the other in such a perfect way that it's just life-giving. But God didn't want it just to be that. He, he came and extended this beautiful relationship to us so that we could be part of this incredible experience of love and life. Because any life that we have comes from Christ. Any love that we feel, it comes from God because that's who He is. It defines Him. And so we have a God that's in relationship with one another, and this is the example of love. But we messed it up. We, we thought God was holding out on us, and we rejected that. And it brought sin and death into the world. God didn't leave us there. That is the example of Christ. So Paul encourages us as Christ followers, Philippians 2, going back now to the beginning of this section. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any if any common sharing of the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Well, that's... That's what it looks like. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. We value others above ourselves. He continues, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the entrance, the interest of the others. The crucifixion is a picture of Jesus not looking to his own interest. His own interest was to be seated at the right hand of God and his, all his glory that he deserved. He gave it up. Not only that, he gave it up to become humbled like a slave. So that's what he continues saying. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Here's what it is. Who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the, a cross. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Now, as we were reading through the scripture earlier, what just really struck out to me was how 
how, how vehemently he was accused. He was constantly being accused, and he stood silent. He had every right to just scream out to them and wipe them out. And, and the people that were most horrible to him, in the most depraved condition, he died for that too. He took that on so that we would be redeemed. The truth is, we've all done it. We have all wronged God. We've all said, no, I don't want that. I want to go my own way. And we've turned our backs on life and love. We've turned our backs on life and we deserve death. And so Jesus showed us a way out and he came to take that place so that we could be redeemed. We could be forgiven. And not only that, that we could become and receive his righteousness that he has. It's incredible. So he says, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And it continues, as therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so Jesus' resurrection shows that he has power over death. He deserved this glory. He is really the king of this of us. And as Christ followers, we, we, we proclaim and we declare our allegiance to him. We say, you are my king, you're my Lord. I answer to you because you are the best thing that I could pursue. And we give him glory. That brings us our greatest joy. You are made to give him glory. It's more sustaining than any other pursuit in your life that you think will make you happy. And so Paul continues, he says, Therefore, my friends, so in light of all of this, as you have always obeyed, not only my presence, but now much more my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you and will to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And that's what's so great is like he's called us to something. When we live out things and we, we serve and love him and we, we act out and love one another in unity and we, we sacrifice for other people, we do these things, that he, we are living and fulfilling his good purpose. He's doing something significant in your life. I love that. And so Paul continues, he says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast in the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Reflecting on the cross helps us to see what will bring us the most fulfilling life. And that is to sacrifice, to love one another, to live our in, not just for our interests, but for the interests of others, if anything, above ourselves. And we do that by focusing on Christ. This is what brings life to others. This is why we have community. There, we're here today because of the many who've come before us who sacrificed in love for, for Christ's mission to say we want people to know who he is and to find life here in this city. And they gave up their time and they gave up their money and their talents, all these things, continuously over years and years. We celebrated seven years to go as a church family here in Jersey City last week. And that, that's incredible. 
and just by so many holding firm to the example of Christ. If you served Christ strictly for your own interest, eventually it will be disastrous. And I would say just for your own personal lives, if you only live to please yourselves, that will ultimately be empty. It won't lead to anything anywhere. You, you will come to the end of yourself at some point because you cannot satisfy you enough. It is, it is fully an appetite. I would challenge today that you can find your greatest action, satisfaction in Christ. But if you are pursuing Jesus strictly for your own interest, eventually that will fall short and it will eventually be disastrous. You will eventually become angry with God and at others. Because at some point, something won't work out. <laughs> and I call this pursuit of God like the genie God. We come to him and say, all right, all right, I need this. Jesus, please help me with this. You know. Now he says to come to him with your request. He cares about your life. He cares about what's going on. That is absolutely true. But that's not our ultimate pursuit of him. And it will eventually become a burden because things will not work out. But if they do, or if you, then you got to live your life to make sure he's okay, you're okay with him. And as things aren't going wrong, you, many times you'll walk away from God or you'll be devastated because you're wondering what's wrong with you. And it will become a burden. A burden. It can cause destruction to others around us within the church because we're looking for our own interests and we're not getting what we want. We grumble, we complain, and we blame others. And that's why Paul opened up with, pursue one another. Do everything you can to be like-minded, having the same love. It is an other-focused love. And so that's what's beautiful about this. When... We live our lives outwardly. It brings unity. It brings joy. Paul says, make my joy complete. It baffles the world that a church can gather on Sunday socioeconomically completely different, racially different. We come from different parts of the world, yet we have a unified purpose to be here. Many times when we gather on Sunday, we're doing the very things that the world is baffled at how to even do. It brings unity. It brings joy. It's incredible. And so it can cause destruction in our own lives. But conversely, when we live like Christ, when we reflect upon the cross, when we live as he did, it brings about joy and unity. <clears throat> so those who are marked by Christ... Do not seek their own interest, but his. And what's beautiful is, in that process, God loves you. He takes care of you in his great mercy and his grace. So yes, like, do we need him for our lives? Yes. It says he's like a father who, what loving father doesn't love to give good gifts to his children? And so all of this happens as we love him and we serve him. So when Christ reigns in your heart, there is this desire that is awakened. 
one that mimics the very life of Christ, that cares for others. This is what real love is. And this week, I want to challenge you to reflect upon Jesus' crucifixion. Maybe you read Luke 22 and 23. That's what we read through earlier. And you can reflect on his life. How can you begin to do something that loves others? Everything around us in our culture is pushing you to do everything for yourself, to find happiness in yourself, to do everything possible to make that happen. What if we just turn that on its head and you love others? You sacrificially love others. You celebrate a coworker gets a promotion that you thought you should have gotten. You give up what you wanted for the sake of others. Sacrificing meaning we lose something for the great good of others around us. It doesn't make sense, but Jesus showed us that that is how he created us to live. It means that you're going to deny yourself. It's love. It's fulfilling, but it's hard. You deny yourself. You're not always going to be celebrated. And you'll eventually be hated for it. Because it's not what our culture celebrates. It's just not how everything works. And so in their confusion, we make fun of it or we, whatever that means. But I want to say to you, there is no better way to live. Listen to what we're encouraged to do in Hebrews 12. We're encouraged to live this way. Hebrews 12, 1 through 4 says this. Therefore we also... Since we are, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, meaning all those who've come before us, who've lived these lives of faith, giving God glory, let us lay aside every weight, every sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. It was for joy that he endured, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, consider him, reflect, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You haven't resisted yet to bloodshed, striving against sin. Are you weary? Discouraged in your soul? It doesn't take much in our world to bring us to this place. Reflecting on Christ leads you away from that. Let us be encouraged to live well. It will bring us greater joy than we can imagine. <clears throat> it is for the joy. This is an opposite reaction. This week, I want to encourage you to reflect on the cross. I want to encourage you to take and find a way to serve. For those of you who are part of this church family, we're going to be doing simple service, inviting people to our Easter services at the past stations this week. We'd love for you to join us. We're handing out chocolate and granola bars. We'd love for you to join and be part of Simple Service. Or you join us serving at the Sharing Place. We're serving the Food Pantry Thursday night. You can sign up for both of those online. You can give financially. You can serve on a Sunday. 
Join us to be a part of our Easter team next week. How can we reflect on the cross and how can we actually serve him and love his family and love the community? So I want to take these last moments today and have take communion together. So if we can, for those of you who don't have a cup, we forgot to pass them out as we came in, but <laughs> we're going to hand those out right now. I'm going to lead us through this, and then our band is going to come after that and sing with us and lead us in one more psalm before we head out today. One of the things that Jesus gave us, and you saw that he gave right before his death, the night before his death, he gathered the disciples and he gave them the Lord's Supper, what we call communion. And then he said to do this in remembrance of me. And what's amazing, he's like, I'm not going to drink this cup of wine until we all gather together one day. And he calls us back to him. And that's going to be a glorious day, the best wine we've ever had in our lives, right? And it's going to be, and like, I think that's incredible that he said, this is the last time I'm going to take this cup with you until that day. And we take communion to remember what he's done. So we want to remember why it is we know God. We've just, that's what we've, talking, what we've talked about today. He took our place. His body was broken and his blood was shed. Paul explains it like this. He says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Can we bring the guitar up? In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink and drink it. As we church, we want to do this on a consistent basis to follow what Jesus began and remember his sacrifice for us. But the other church showed us they took this seriously. And they examine their hearts. We're going to take just a minute for you to reflect. We do not, we have all sinned. And we need to come before God and confess our selfishness. We want to confess how we have hurt Him. The early church, it wasn't just something they did. It was a time to evaluate where they were and their relationship with God and be honest with Him. Not to be perfect. That's why Jesus came, because we couldn't be, but to be honest. And then we just accept His forgiveness and grace. We join together in unity. We do this in faith because of his body and his blood was broken and shed, not because we are good enough, but because of him. So let's take a moment to reflect and then we'll take this.